Wellness encompasses a healthy body, a sound mind, and a tranquil spirit. Enjoy the journey as you strive for wellness. Hello and welcome to episode 459 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a Wellness Wednesday episode. That was a quote by Lorette Gagnon Bulu. I doubt if I'm saying that right, but I tried. All right, let's look into some things here. Uh, I did my bi-yearly, pretty much every six months I do a suicide prevention episode, but this year I did it on YouTube. It'll be coming out later this week. So you can check that out on the YouTube videos, also under the same name as this, under the cull of MS. So it's easy to find. Where am I here? I was on the wrong tag. Helps be on the right thing. So let's talk about weak muscles. Why do our muscles feel weak? Muscle weakness happens when your full effort doesn't produce a normal muscle contraction or movement. It's sometimes called reduced muscle strength, muscular weakness, or weak muscles. Whether you're ill or you simply need rest, short-term muscle weakness can happen to nearly everyone at some point. A tough workout, for instance, instance will exhaust your muscles until you've given them a chance to recover with rest. If you develop persistent muscle weakness or muscle weakness with no apparent cause or normal explanation, it may be a sign of an underlying health condition. So definitely consult your doctor, and I'm not a doctor. By the way, I'm just going over stuff that I've been given and given my opinion about things that I read about it, but always check with your doctor first and let them know what you're thinking about doing. If you develop or voluntary muscle contractions are usually generated when your brain sends a signal through your spinal cord and nerves to a muscle. If your brain Nervous system, muscles, or the connections between them are injured or affected by disease, your muscles may not contract normally. I got a cricket somewhere in my living room that I'm trying to find. (laughs) Uh, This can produce muscle weakness. So yeah, If you have a condition like multiple sclerosis and your myelin has been eaten away and you got your nerve signals shooting all over the place, not going where they're supposed to go, it could definitely cause muscle contract, involuntary muscle contractions and stuff like that. Uh, When I have my spasms in my legs, I can watch like, Areas around my knee, uh, my lower calf, my foot. I 
think I've seen it in when I had the groin cramps too, but uh, my skin will suck in and you'll see the muscle pulsating. And it's just, it's all tightened up, locked up, but it's pulsating on its own for some unknown reason. And it's really weird when you're trying to walk and get to the bathroom and you can't fully extend your leg because that's right in the joint or you need to straighten your leg and the contractions cause you problems with walking, standing, laying, pretty much anything you try and do and put pressure on and stuff. Even if you're not putting pressure on it, it is painful and weird at times. Uh, lots of health conditions can cause muscle weaknesses like neuromuscular disorders such as muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, autoimmune diseases such as Graves' disease, myasthenia gravis, or Jillian-Barr syndrome, which runs in my family. Thyroid conditions such as hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. Electrolyte imbalances such as hypokalemia, which is a potassium deficiency, and hypomagnesemia, which is a magnesium deficiency, both of which I take extra medications for and hypercalcemia which is elevated calcium in your blood which i have not had issues with that Uh, other conditions that may cause muscle weakness include stroke herniated disc chronic fatigue system cfs hypotonia a lack of muscle tone that's usually present at birth Peripheral neuropathy, a type of nerve damage. Neuralgia, a sharp burning or pain following the path of one or more nerves. Polymyositis, or chronic muscle inflammation. Prolonged bed rest or immobilization. Alcoholism, which can cause alcoholic myopathy. Muscle weaknesses can also be caused by complications from certain viruses and infections, including polio, West Nile virus, and rheumatic fever. Botulism, a rare serious illness caused by Clostridium botulinum bacteria, can also lead to muscle weakness. Prolonged use of certain drugs may also result in muscle weakness. These drugs include statins and other lipid-lowering agents. Antiarrhythmic drugs such as amiodarone or passerone or procainamide. Corticosteroids, which many of us do during flare-ups, inflammation issues, and relapse type problems and go spend a 
five-day trip in the hospital taking corticosteroids or something like that to that extent, which can eventually do long-term damage. Uh, Colchicine, which is also Colchris or Mitigare, which is used to treat gout. Which I used to have gout issues and they've gone away. I haven't had had flare-ups from them in a long time. I'd say at least five years. I have no idea what I did. What changed it. If I just took something out of my diet that was affecting it. I mean, I did eliminate smoking cigarettes. I did eliminate soda. And sugary drinks. I tried coffee yesterday. Or yesterday or the day before again. And I don't know if I had COVID or something at one time or what, but I cannot drink coffee anymore. It makes me want to throw up. Uh, but I try it every month or so just to see if things have changed, see if I got my taste buds back. Cause it's coffee, tea, and peanut butter that it affects. But weirdly, I can drink cold tea. But warm tea makes me nauseous. I don't understand. And I used to love all three of those things in the past. and Now I just can't use them. So that is something that could happen. And I know people had those effects from COVID. But I don't think I ha- ever had it. But who knows? Okay. If you experience muscle weakness... For which there is no normal explanation, make an appointment with your healthcare provider. Could be something more serious. You can book an appointment with a PCP, primary care doctor, in your area. You can also use the Healthline Find Care tool if you need to find a physician if you don't have one set up, but you should. If you're over... 18 years old, you should definitely have a regular physician, a PCP, personal care physician, your primary care physician, that uh, can at least once a year do blood test or do a basic health exam to you to make sure that you don't have no issues. And that way, when you go in, you can let them know anything that you're having problems with and they can always look into it and let you know what can be done. But don't just sit there and skip your twenties, thirties and wait until you're in your forties or fifties and have problems and then go in to see someone. Just get a regular physician on hand. So you have it doesn't hurt. And most of your insurances will cover that once a year health exam anyways. Your health care provider may also check your reflexes, senses, and muscle tone. They may, may order one or more tests like the CT scans or MRI to examine the inner structures of your body. Nerve tests to assess how well your nerves are working electromyography, EMG, to test the nerve activity in your muscles, blood tests to check t- 
for signs of infection or other conditions. Treatment options. They might have you try physical therapy, occupational therapy, some medications. Such as over-the-counter pain relievers such as ibuprofen or acetaminophen can help manage pain associated with conditions such as peripheral neuropathy, CFS, or neuralgia. Thyroid hormone replacement is used to treat hypothyroidism. Standard treatment usually involves taking levothyroxine or levoxyl or synthroid, which is a synthetic thyroid hormone. Changing your diet can help remedy electrolyte imbalances. I need something to wake me up or something. I'm dealing with a yawn attack. As soon as I start talking without being on screen. Uh, your healthcare provider may also suggest taking supplements such as calcium, magnesium oxide, or potassium oxide, depending on what your body needs. Surgery may be used to treat certain conditions such as a herniated disc or hypothyroidism. Uh, if you experience any of the following systems, call, symptoms, call 911 or your local emergency services immediately. Sudden onset of muscle weakness. Sudden numbness or loss of feeling. Sudden difficulty moving your limbs, walking, standing, or sitting upright. Sudden difficulty smiling or forming facial expressions. A lot of these sound like they could be a a sign of a stroke. Sudden confusion, difficulty speaking, or trouble understanding things. Chest muscle weakness resulting in difficulties breathing. Loss of consciousness. If you have any of those issues, contact your healthcare team or get to the emergency room and get it checked out. See, uh, how can we boost our metabolism? Get a solid eight hours sleep. You want to get the most metabolism boosting benefits from your sleep, so aim for at least eight hours per night. Make sure those eight hours are full of high quality shut eye. So I didn't sleep for shit two nights ago because of my friend of mine committing suicide. And it's on my mind. And I thought for sure I wouldn't sleep again last night, but my body just shut down. It was burnt out and I was in a very deep coma like sleep last night. And it was hard to wake up each time. I actually slept through the night without having to go to the bathroom until later in the morning, which is nice. So maybe I should only sleep every other night. (laughs) 
Yeah, make sure to sleep you're getting as high quality as high quality as possible, meaning that you spend as much time as possible in REM sleep, which rejuvenates the brain and deep sleep, which restores the body. Uh, they do have Fitbits that can tell you about your REM sleep and let you know how much you're getting where your sleep pattern is at what times of night and all the thing you're dealing with uh probiotics balance your gut and help increase metabolism yogurt's not your thing try you can also get your morning probiotic boost with supplements they also have different types of active culture type of drinks and things you can try to get your probiotics but supplements are an easy way to do it i take a probiotic pill every day plus i i enjoy sauerkraut kimchi stuff like that for that extra little boost once in a while but basically the bacteria in our guts influence numerous aspects of our metabolism so having the wrong balance of bugs can lead to junk food cravings, blood sugar swings, and weight gain. While having the right balance of bugs can lead to less sugar cravings and higher meta metabolic rate, says one person. Uh, things you can do today to get started on increasing your your metabolism is work in a 20-minute strength training circuit. If you want to jumpstart your metabolism, a great way to do it is strength training. So muscle building speeds up your meta metabolic rate for up to two hours after every 20-minute session. So every two hours, it should do a 20-minute session. That would probably increase your metabolism, keep it on the track, on the right track. Uh, by doing a strength routine, you'll build more muscle, and the more muscle you have, the better your metabolism is. Building muscle will help you burn more calories even when you're not moving, and the higher your muscle mass, the stronger your metabolic rate. And you can go old school and lift weights. But that's not your only option. You can do body weight exercises like squats and planks. You can hit a TRX class. See, you can do cardio. I got a stupid update that keeps popping up on my computer for my printer and it just keeps constantly taking over my page. So that's why I'm having all these pausing gaps. It's driving me nuts. But uh, strength training could leave you feeling super sore. So if you want to do a cardio style workout can be just as effective 
45 minutes of vigorous cardio exercise increased metabol metabolic rate for a whopping 14 hours after workout. To get your cardio in, you can hit the trails for a run, check out a spin class, swim some laps, anything that gets your heart rate up. Uh, these pop-ups are really freaking annoying. It's like printer. Update yourself and don't ask me stupid questions. You can update when you have to. <laughs> Thought I had it scheduled like that. Uh, get to sleep before midnight. You may be tempted to stay up late and catch up with your Netflix, Q or whatever. But if you want to keep your metabolism revved up, you need to get at least eight hours of sleep. So, Let's say start your day with a cup of coffee, drink plenty of water. Coffee is great for the morning, but the rest of the day stick to water. Researchers found that drinking 16.9 ounces of water Increases your meta metabolic rate by 30% for 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, for the most metabolism-boosting benefits, aim to drink that 16.9 ounces of water multiple times throughout the day. Prep your meals for the week and add some chili peppers if you can handle them. Chili peppers... Contain capsaicin, which studies show can boost your metabolism and help you burn an extra 50 calories per day. Neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or the energy that is expended from general daily activities, has a significant Oops, I lost my spot. Where was I? Oh no. It has a significant impact on the number of calories your body burns each day. By moving more in your daily life, you'll see huge improvements in your metabolism. Look for more opportunities to move throughout the day. Park your car further from the entrance to your office. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. Walk around your house during a phone call. The more you move, the more calories you burn. Add some protein to your meal. Meditate. Eat plenty of protein with each meal. 25 to 30% of your total daily calories to boost your metabolism. Aim for at least 8 hours of high quality sleep a night. Eat probiotic rich foods or take probiotic supplements. Meditate daily to keep stress to a minimum. Keep in at least 3 metabolism boosting workouts per week. Strength training or cardio. And stay hydrated. Drink lots of water. Yeah. There's some little metabolism boosting tips that you can try. I don't know why all 
these things just keep popping up. Uh, we're almost out of time on this part. Let's see. Let's see about lemon water. Does it do anything for you? Is it any good? I love lemon with my tequila. <laughs> if you know my little drink. But lemon water is low in calories. Drinking it instead of higher calorie beverages could help contribute to weight loss. I mean, that's common sense. I mean, <clears throat> if you drink water instead of soda, it's better for you. So like I said, I lost a hundred some pounds just by quitting soda and it stayed off. It's just no interest in getting back to it. I took a sip of the wife's rip beer this weekend. It used to be a rip beer I used to love. No interest, didn't throw me at all. Completely different taste from what I remember now. Drinking lemon water could help you stay hydrated, which reduces water retention and may increase fat loss. Studies show that drinking water could increase metabolism by enhancing mitochondrial function and inducing thermogenesis, which we talked about earlier with the metabolism building tricks. Regular water and lemon water can help promote satiety and fullness, which may decrease calorie intake and lead to weight loss. Some studies suggest that drinking regular water or lemon water could increase weight loss regardless of diet or exercise. Lemon water may be beneficial for weight loss, but has no added benefits over the regular water. And lemon water can be customized based on personal preference, and it can be enjoyed hot or cold at any time of day. Basically, lemon water can promote fullness, support hydration, boost metabolism, and increase weight loss. However, lemon water is not better than regular water when it comes to losing fat. That being said, it is tasty, easy to make, and can be used as a low-calorie replacement for higher-calorie beverages. In this way, it could potentially help promote weight loss and improve health. Uh, the new kick now is the Meyer lemon, which is not as potent as the normal lemon that we're all used to. And uh, an MS person I follow... John Hoppins makes Hoppin' Hot Sauce using Meyer Lemon. And it's a great non-kick-your-ass, make-you-feel-like-you're-dying type of hot sauce that you can actually use a generous amount and enjoy on your foods to get that hot, hot sauce-style flavor. And that way you get your... Kypacin or Cypacin or whatever. Chili pepper effect from using the hot sauce. But yeah. I like it. I suggest trying it out if you're a hot sauce fanatic and want something like that in your uh, food regimen. But I'm going to end this portion here and I'll be back with the second portion right after this. 
All right, let's talk a little bit more about health. We'll do a second segment today. Get a little extra stuff in here. Let's see, CCSVI. What is it? What are the symptoms, treatments, and the relationship to MS? Chronic cerebrospinal venous. Okay, chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency, CCSVI, refers to narrowing of veins in the neck. This vaguely defined condition has been of interest to people with MS. The interest stems from a highly controversial proposal that CCSVI causes MS and that transvascular autonomic modulation, TVAM, surgery on the blood vessels in the neck could alleviate MS. Extensive research has found this condition is not linked to MS. I don't know why it would be. Why would expanding the blood vessels have anything to do with trying to alleviate our MS symptoms other than maybe causing less inflammation or something? But it's... Our MS is in our nerve, our central nervous system, not in our blood vessels. So I don't know, I've never heard anybody talking about that. So I don't know where they got that link from and where they heard people with MS were hearing, were talking about that stuff. But, but basically, furthermore, the surgery is not beneficial. It can even cause life-threatening complications. So if you're doing it, you're not getting benefit from it, and you could risk your life and your health. That's just, don't just do things because someone told you it and stuff. Definitely research it. That's why you have to see your doctor. Check with them with everything first, and then consider what you're going to do. Research as much as you want, like I am. Look into things, think about it, give your two cents, and then talk to your doctor about it before you do anything that could be drastic. The FDA has issued a warning regarding TVAM and has restricted the procedure. It's not authorized in the United States as treatment for CCSVI or for MS. Uh, yeah, so there's... Obviously, someone came across something that made them think that was available and workable, but thankfully, someone researched it, studied it, and found out differently. Uh, CCSVI hasn't been well-defined in terms of blood flow measures, and it's not associated with any clinical symptoms. The exact cause and definition of CCSVI isn't established. For example, the exact amount of cerebrospinal venous flow that would be considered normal or ideal isn't actually a measure of health. Lower than average cerebrospinal venous flow is believed to be congenital, present, present at birth, and doesn't lead to any health issues. So yeah, it's 
They can diagnose it by an imaging test, an ultrasound, uses high-frequency sound waves to create an image of fluid inside your body. Uh, they can also use magnetic resonant, resonance venography to view the veins in which you're in your neck and to check for any impaired structural issues but there aren't any standards by which insufficient flow or drainage are measured yeah i've never heard of ccsvi until now so the only proposed treatment for ccsvi is tvam a surgical venous angioplasty also known as liberation therapy it's intended to open up narrow veins. A surgeon inserts a small balloon into the veins to widen them. It's like even with arterial dissections and stuff that runs in my family, all of them usually end up in the leg, groin, or in the brain or heart. But I've never heard of anything like that in the neck. Uh, because CCSVI treatment hasn't been proven effective. Doctors strongly advise against the surgery due to the risk of serious complications such as blood clots, abnormal heartbeat, separation of the vein, infection, and vein rupture. <laughs> yeah. So in 2008, Dr. Paolo... Samboni from the University of Ferrara in Italy introduced a proposed link between this CCS, BI, and MS. He conducted a study on people with and without MS using ultrasound imaging. He compared blood vessels in both groups of participants and reported the, that the study group with MS had abnormal blood flow from the brain and spinal cord, whereas the study group without MS had normal blood flow, but they all had considered that they had CCSVI, so they still had some issues. But I don't know. Based on his findings, he concluded that CCSVI was a potential cause of MS. This connection, however, was initially a matter of debate in the medical community. It's since been disproven and based on his team's subsequent research, Zamboni himself has stated that the surgical, treat, surgical treatment isn't safe or effective. In fact, a growing body of evidence suggests that CCSVI is not specifically linked with MS. So, definitely... Don't do something without knowing for sure and talking to your doctor about it. Basically, the takeaway they have is MS can be unpredictable at times, so it's understandable to want relief and an effective treatment, but there's no evidence to confirm that treating CCSVI will improve MS or stop its progression. Liberation therapy offers misguided hope of a miraculous cure from a devastating disease during a time when we have real meaningful treatment options. 
This can be dangerous as we still don't have good options to repair or regrow myelin lost while delaying treatment. If your current treatments aren't managing your MS well, don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor. They can work with you to find a treatment that works. They can work with you to find a treatment that may help keep future relapses and flare-ups away, but it doesn't work to cure your MS or fix your MS. Just know that, too. Now, like that they say treatments that work because... Like I said, if you listened to my video the other day, or it's the one that's getting loaded today, actually, I think. It'll be up later today. I've been on three different MS treatments. All all three of my treatments, I felt completely like shit during. Throughout the treatments, and those were issues that were added on from the treatments. And so, I don't know whether or not it held off any of my symptoms because I still kept advancing all the way into secondary progressive MS. So it didn't keep me in relapsing remitting MS or didn't hold anything off, obviously, because I kept advancing and having more issues. And then I also got the wonderful extra issues of dealing with the side effects of the medications that I've been on. And I just got my delivery today of my final week of my two years of Maven Clod. I start, uh, I think I start next Monday, this coming Monday, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, after this med, I don't think I'm taking another MS med unless they come up with something that, a new one that actually catches my eyes and ears and gets me interested in its results, but it better be something pretty damn incredible because I think the only one I have left right now at the moment is maybe to Sabri as far as going with a secondary progressive MS type of drug. Cause I don't think they want to send me back to Ocrevus. And I'm pretty sure you can't do Maven Clod more than two years because it's like chemotherapy to your body. It's you're wiping out your T and B cells and killing all your cells in your body that, protect the intake carrier and stuff like that. And it's like, so it's not good to do for more than two years. Now, after these two years, I got to worry about all the cancer side effects and I still got to worry about the PML brain bug that could kill me instantly and the heart butt disease that could kill me and all this other crap. Just got to get through those five more days of this damn medication and then suffer again for a couple more weeks after. And hopefully the new T and B cells that come back don't attack my body like the old ones. I can actually get some relief, but I doubt it. I'm sure I'll be in the same position I was when I started all this crap. And I just basically put a ton of chemicals into my body that could kill me in other ways so yay yay for me so happy i was born with this shit let's see you got problems overeating let's look at some ways you can try and prevent it to block it to keep it off keep it away 
make an effort to turn off or put away potential distractors, distractions like phones, computers, magazines. Concentrating on your meal during mealtime can help prevent overeatings. So just focus on the food, not the things around you. Identify the unhealthy foods that trigger overeating. Keep them out of the home or far out of sight and make healthy options easily acceptable instead. Uh, eating patterns that are too restrictive may dri drive binges. The key to sustainable healthy diet is concentrated on, on eating whole unprocessed foods most of the time while allowing for a treat here and there. <clears throat> Excuse me, I gotta take a drink of water, but they say if you wanna shop healthy, shop the outside of the grocery store all the way around. Stay away from the aisles, the boxed good and the canned goods. Every single one you pick up has sugar in them. There's, there are new things out there now where they're making noodles that were all sugar. Now you can get noodles that are made from cauliflower, chickpeas, uh, vegetables and stuff. And so far we haven't really noticed much of a difference. They hold up pretty good. They might be a little stiffer, but they don't fall apart like the early day ones. It's like you try and make your own cauliflower crust pizzas and stuff and they just crumble apart and just dissipate in the oven and it's just they've come a long way and they got some pretty good stuff out there nowadays that's way healthier than normal and that way you can still enjoy what you love without having it as bad as it used to be and they got tons they got pre-made pizzas with cauliflower crusts and vegetable crusts uh, sweet potato crust and all that stuff and you can add your own toppings however you like it your own sauce make it as healthy as possible and still get what you enjoy you can uh, use the volumetrics method of eating fill up on healthy low calorie high fiber foods to help promote feeling food feeling food, feeling full. <laughs> Instead of eating food straight from the package, portion it into a dish. Try measuring out appropriate serving sizes to help train your eye to identify how much food is recommended as an average portion. And you can pretty much easily do 100 calorie packs, use the little sandwich bags and portion out stuff so you know that you only got about 100 calories or so that you're eating at a time. Uh, stress can lead to overeating, so re reducing the stress in your everyday life is one important step to reduce overeating. Add fiber-rich foods to your diet to keep your body feeling satisfied longer. Studies show this may help reduce the urge to overeat. If you just hit that 30-second thing on the bottom, you'll have 30-second timer. That way it doesn't keep shutting off every five seconds, Mom. Mom? <laughs> Sorry, never mind. 
just trying to show you how to do 30 seconds so it's faster and you don't have because five seconds doesn't really heat it up. I'm saying all you got to do is hit that 30 button on the bottom and that'll be 30 seconds right away. It's a nice quick, I use that a lot. So it's very, it's nice and easy. It's helpful. I use it a lot. If you hit it more than once, it'll go 30 a minute, minute and a half. It'll just add up. Uh, skipping ma- meals may cause you to eat more later in the day. Instead, focus on keeping your body feeling satisfied by eating balanced meals made with whole foods. Studies have shown that tracking your food intake may help you lose weight. It will also help you become more aware of your habits, your bad habits, when you're snacking and stuff like that. And that way you can plan. If you get an inter- intermittent fasting, that's the best way to go. Because you basically eat, a lot of people like doing the 8, or the 16-8, one where you don't eat for 16 hours, you only eat during an 8-hour period. I like to do the 420, where it's 20 hours of not eating, 4 hours of eating. Uh, you can do anything in between there. They have other ones, like the 5-2 diet, I don't understand that one. I think that's five hours not eating, two hours eating. That way you get multiple meals through the day or so. I don't know. But I like the intermittent fasting version. And that way, you're only limited to so many hours of eating. If you have one or a couple good meals in that time period, you're really not going to want to snack on a bunch of other stuff in between. So that's a good way to look at it also. With whom you choose to eat may majorly impact your food choices. Try to dine with people who also want to eat healthy meals in moderate portions. It's like when we sit at the table, we all eat the same foods. Because we'll just make the meal for everybody. That's a good way to do it. Eating protein-rich foods may help stave off hunger and cravings. Starting the day with a high-protein breakfast can also help fight hunger later in the day. Eat foods that help keep blood sugar levels constant. High-glycemic foods like candy and white bread can make blood sugar spike, then drop, which may lead to overeating. Instead, choose foods like beans, oats, and brown rice. And that's, especially if you're a diabetic, you got to watch those high glycemic foods. Focus on eating more slowly and chewing your food thoroughly may help you recognize signs of fullness and reduce overeating. Studies show that drinking several drinks in one sitting may lead to overeating. Instead, stick to just one or two drinks or forego drinking alcohol entirely. The more prepared you are to eat healthy, healthily, the less likely you are to overeat. Keep the fridge and pantry stocked with healthy filling foods. And you got to have a good variety of little snacky type of things that are healthy for you. Otherwise, you're going to be going at looking for the bad snacks. 
It never fails. It's easy to fill the fridge with meal foods that are healthy, but you got to have a few good snacky, healthy snacky ideas too. So there's lots of good fruits and vegetables that are good snacky foods. You can do hummuses with your vegetables if you want something to dip them in. Avoid sugary beverages. They've been linked to an increased risk of diabetes and other diseases and may be linked to overeating. Drink water instead. So you should keep all your, if you drink caffeine, like coffee and tea and stuff, you should only have that in the morning. The rest of the day, you should be drinking water. If you're drinking coffee and tea all day long, Doctors say it will shut down your, you're basically dehydrating your body and you're causing problems. You have to have that water in between. At least if you're going to drink coffee and tea constantly, you have to drink at least one or two full cups of water between the cups of coffee and tea. Otherwise, it's just going to dry up, dehydrate your body. It's going to cause you problems. If you don't poop a ripe banana looking turd, it's your body saying you are not drinking enough water. If you're peeing a lot, it's your body saying you're not drinking enough water. You have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to dehydrate yourself and it's going to cause you other issues with eating things that you're not supposed to and stuff like that. And those things are going to also take water from your body. Think about the feelings during episodes of overeating and seek help to address the issues behind the behavior. See if you can pinpoint why you have depression and boredom, which are two common reasons of overeating. A mental health professional can provide guidance and maybe find out why you're have those issues and help you out with them and maybe show you other ways to to do deal with them instead of going on fad diets to curb overeating find a sustainable way of eating that nourishes your body and helps it reach optimal health i feel you should build a diet that you can enjoy around i it's like me with ms i like to focus on anti-inflammatory foods and if you can do that, build something that you can live with, then you're not sitting there going on a fad diet for a couple of weeks and then you crash, fall out, eat a bunch of bad crap, and you're right back where you left off. And a lot of times, if you go on a diet for a while and then go off, you end up gaining back more weight than you were at before you started the diet. And then each time you do that, you get bigger and bigger and worse and worse. And that's terrible for the body. Uh, Identify unhealthy habits and gradually replace them with new, more positive behaviors. Try adding more healthy fats to your diet. Studies have shown shown doing so many, so may help you feel fuller after meals and lose weight over time. Identify specific short and long-term eating goals and refer to them often. 
It can even be helpful to place motivational quotes around your home. You got sticky notes and stuff. You can put notes around your refrigerator, around your bed, and wherever you need to look at things when you might get a craving or an issue or in your living room where you sit. And if you regularly binge on large quantities of food, lack control, and experience feelings of guilt, you may have binge eating disorder and should seek professional help. The practice of mindful eating has been shown to help reduce binge eating behaviors. Mindful eating focuses on being aware of your thoughts and senses while eating. So there are some things you can try out. See if they can help you at all. And then just design your diet around it and make it so you're happy. So your lifestyle works for you and you're not designing a diet that's going to make you feel like you're constantly missing out on things. Let's see, some of the most addictive foods out there. Foods that can cause addictive-like eating. Uh, In a 2015 study, 92% of participants exhibited addictive-like eating behavior towards certain foods. 7-10% to of them met the researchers' criteria for full-blown food addiction. I would think it would be a higher percentage. Uh, The number... Most of the foods rated as as addictive were processed foods. These foods were usually high in sugar or fat. Let's see, the scale is one, not at all addictive, to seven, which is extremely addictive. They had pizza at four, chocolate at a three, 3.73, chips were 3.73, cookies 3.71, ice cream 3.68, french fries were just under four, cheeseburgers under four, just under four, soda, not diet. Just under four, cake just above three, cheese just above three, bacon around three, fried chicken around three, rolls are around three, popcorn buttered is just under three, breakfast cereals are about 2.59, gummy candies 2.57, steak 2.54, muffins 2.50. The 18 most addictive foods were most often processed foods with high amounts of fat and added sugar. The least addictive foods were almost all whole unprocessed foods like cucumbers, carrots, beans, apples, brown rice, broccoli, bananas, salmon, corn, strawberries, granola bars, water, crackers, pretzels, Chicken breast, eggs, nuts, many of the things. I use all those things with our cooking. Uh, processed foods can cause blood sugar imbalances and cravings. Eating junk food also makes the brain release feel-good chemicals, which can lead to even more cravings. So, so yeah, take those into consideration. 
And between all those things we talked about today, you could probably build yourself a pretty good diet routine, lifestyle routine that you could be happy with. So why not give it a shot? And we are over halfway through the summer and people are motivated in spring to get started to lose weight and stuff. Why not do it in the middle of the year? Why not do it in fall? Get yourself prepared ahead of time for next spring. And imagine what you could do by building a lifestyle and a recipe and then that you can enjoy a routine that your body likes and is happy with. And you can actually, in six months, imagine what could happen. How much change you could have with your body if you design something that your body could enjoy. And you can live with. That's the way to do it. In my opinion. But check with your doctor to make sure. Don't want to do something that could affect you. We'll get back to you again soon. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the crap out of the monster. And check out our YouTube channel that we have going now. We have some MS walking videos. With health related information there also. So, it's under the same name, under the call of MS. And we'll talk to you again another day. Bye.